listening to The Final Take. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we discuss trailer pitches, award season, we do our first ever retake of The Book of Boba Fett, and we review the Prime video series, Reacher. Well, welcome back. It's good to be back. Yeah, good that you got a little time away to uh, hit the record button, watch yeah. a little, watch a little episodes of have uh, a baby and stuff. Yeah, have a baby. Have a baby. <laughs> That's right. It's good times. Yeah. Let's start out with some trailer pitches. All right, let's do it. We have some trailer pitches that are a uh, few days old, but let's check them out. Yeah, they, they let's might, start with. We let them marinate for a little bit. Yeah, that's right. We like to think about think on them, but the Adam Project on Netflix. The pitch on this one, and I hope anyone that grew up in like the '90s and aughts get these references here. Thirteen going on thirty meets the Robinsons. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's a good one because actually, when I saw Mark Ruffalo in this with uh, Jenna, I'm thinking Je- Jenna from Good Thirty Going Thirty. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. I thought thirteen going on thirty meets the last Starfighter. Well, and I thought meet the Robinsons because a young, a young kid who's like the main character meets his older self. Yeah, from the go. future. Yeah, that's true. It looked a little Star Warsy in places. Yeah, I won't. I was not expecting. The sci-fi component of this, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. When when you sent me the Adam Project, I hadn't heard of it, and right. the beginning of it seems like okay, it's like a an only child looks like a drama, and all of a sudden, a spaceship appears as if out of nowhere, and then they go all sci-fi time travel on us. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's like a little mishmash of like cool '80s films, like Flight of the Navigator, and of course, The Last Starfighter. Yeah. So it kinda, looks interesting. Excited to see this yeah. One. yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds yeah. is in it. So, and it's from all the, the, the same team that did free guy. That's right. I wasn't disappointed with that. So it should be good. Yeah. I'm excited that that yeah. one looks good on Netflix for sure. Yeah. All right. The next one, the dropout on Hulu. <laughs> I'm just going to give the setup for this pitch. Cause it's, it's a biopic about uh, Theranos and the founder uh, what's her name? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. Her rise and fall. Yeah. And so, sorry, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> so this is the pitch. <laughs> this is my voice. <laughs> Peter Quill from Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> this is my there voice. You, go. <laughs> you know, I thought that Kate McKinnon was going to play Elizabeth Holmes, but it turns out to be Amanda Seyfried. Maybe it's competing biopics. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. You never know. Hulu's doing one, so that means somebody else has to do one too. Probably. And okay, it's this next one. Oh, it yeah, is timely. It's, a- it's time. You know, I have to say that I, I've been kind of following it a little bit, and you know, she's clearly going to prison. But I, I found it to be such a fascinating thing because she duped a lot of ex- very high-profile people that have yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. A, oh, a yeah. Kid from with a and, high school diploma. And it seemed, I mean, just really silly. I mean, the whole situation, I mean, where she was trying to be like a Steve Jobs clone and the whole, yeah. I mean, even to the black turtleneck, I mean, it all seems so crazy, but 
Hey. A little overdone. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sony Pictures presents Father Stew. So this is one of those that another trailer where you think it's going to be one thing and it totally dupes you and it's it's something completely different. So it's based on a true story starring Mark Wahlberg and former boxer moves to L.A. to try acting. Becomes a priest. <laughs> I think he's trying. He's really trying to hit hit an Oscar, you know, some Oscar gold on on some of his roles as of as of late. I should say. I I really look at some of his roles and think I just can't get past the Andy Samberg impression. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> and he he does his little thing, and he's trying to do you know some type of vocal thing, and he's he's trying that I'm that just, Texas accent, that Texas twang. I know. I'm just thinking. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm trying to win an Oscar here. Say hi to your mother for me. It looks like it's an inspirational story for sure. Definitely. I'm sure it's going to be good. I mean, I like I like Mark Wahlberg films. I haven't seen a lot, a lot lately. Well, there was one that was nominated for Razzies, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So, But next on our list is Firestarter from Blumhouse. So this, this pitch picks up in the middle of, of the boardroom. Where the executives are probably discussing whether they should greenlight this movie. And the quote is, but can we find an actress like Drew Barrymore? <laughs> yes. I At first I was thinking, oh, another redo, another remake of a pretty well-received Stephen King horror film. Because anything that was Stephen King back in the 80s was... Pure gold, but unless you're Stephen King, because I heard I read a thing that that said that he did not like Firestarter, the 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 one from the eighties. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, I remember seeing that all over the place, though. This one, I mean, it, it was well received. But this one looks intense. This one looks it like does. it, it looks, looks like a superhero origin or a supervillain origin story. Yeah, I know. Well, they had to, of course, bring in the superhero thing because that's what's selling movie tickets these days. But and, yeah, and they kind yeah, they of had to have that angle tried that angle so i was surprised zach efron's in it yeah who would have yeah. thought he'd he'd grow up to be old enough to play a dad in a movie i know that's right life comes at you fast man <laughs> i just yeah first thing you know he's got a little bieber haircut next thing we turn around and he's on a rope as in Daya, and now he's got a kid one day you're doing high school the musical right <laughs> <laughs> wait the high school the musical <laughs> What, what was that? What the high, high, high school? The musical. <laughs> I was thinking. I, I was thinking of the Disney Plus show, the High School, the musical, the, the high musical. school, the musical, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> One day you're doing right. High School, the musical. Next day, playing a dad. That's right. Stranger things can happen. Yeah, I mean, look, it looks real gritty. Yeah, and uh, you know, Blumhouse, they've got they've got it down. They've got. They're not messing around. They're not man. messing they're, around, man. They're gonna take over halloween films they've got they've got a good formula for it so yeah they do all right all right next on the list vikings valhalla on netflix like the discovery channel show but with vikings that we know and a netflix budget yeah all i could think of was matthew mcconaughey's voice in my head talking about people with their shirts off and ikea furniture Good times. So, so it looks like it. So it looks like it's a continuation of the Viking series. It started on Discovery, and yeah, I was I was wondering that. I haven't watched any of that. Yeah, it's really good. 
It's, I mean, my wife loved that show. She binged it straight through. But that one, that one occurs like at a really early time in Viking history where most of it's like, I don't know if it's like myth, but it's mostly folktales. Whereas this one takes place during the period of expansion, like with Leif Erikson. Right. So more Vikings that we know. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. How many seasons were Vikings? I want to say, I want to say like three or four. Okay. I remember it was, it was pretty big for a while there. It took a little season or two to catch on and then uh, it was, it got pretty big. It was was a really highly rated show, rated show for, for discovery as well received. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's really good. It seems like this series is, it's a little bit like similar formula, but uh, you know, definitely a bigger budget. I mean, you can tell just in the trailer, like some of the action set pieces are definitely larger scale than the than that original Discovery show. Wow, Netflix has some bucks, man. They do. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of some bucks, we're gonna move into the tent poles here. Oh yeah, Jurassic World Dominion from Universal. Oh man, Let me, I just want to start with this trailer looks amazing. So don't get me wrong when I read this pitch. <laughs> because we seem to be using this as a bit of a derogatory <laughs> lately, but <laughs> what's old is new again with dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it appears like they're much like other tentpole franchises. They're merging the old cast with the new one. Yes. So I think the last one, Jurassic World. Oh man. What was the second one called? Extinction? Um, I think so. Or I think so. I'm not sure. I don't. I didn't. I never really got into the Jurassic World. Uh, I've I've watched them. Yeah. Because my son loves dinosaurs. Oh man, my my son watched both. He watched all three Jurassic Parks and the first two Jurassic Worlds when he was like three. I, I don't know if that makes me a bad parent because those are like not at all. <laughs> those are pretty intense, pretty intense movies. But he loved them. I mean, he's really into dinosaurs, so, I mean, what yeah. are you going to do? Um, Lost Fallen Kingdom. Oh, yeah, 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 Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Anyway. Actually, my, I didn't let my son watch the third Jurassic Park because it was terrible. Yeah, this it had dinosaurs in it, and he wanted to see it. Yeah. So, so my, sure. my son my son convinced me. Anyway, so, the, so Fallen Kingdom, they only had Ian Malcolm, mm-hmm. and he was in it just a brief time where, where he was like in a Senate hearing. Whereas this one, right. it looks like they're bringing they're bringing everybody back. At least the main two characters, the the paleontologists. Um, I don't remember yeah. their characters' names, but Laura Dern and Sam Neill. Yeah, yeah, but looks like they're back, and along with Chris Pratt. So yeah, it looks looks good. Looks intense. The only issue I have with Jurassic World is that it's uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character. It's like a hospital administrator treating patients during a crisis, you know. <laughs> She's really just was kind of like the manager. Yeah, okay. She ran the know, park. She ran Jurassic, the park, man. Jurassic Park. Yeah. But yeah, she ran the park and stuff like that. She has a responsibility. Should she, should she be running around in the regular world trying to catch dinosaurs with Chris Pratt? I, I mean, got to have some stars, man. I guess so. We'll we'll, we'll say yes. Yeah. It it looks it looks good. And yeah, you gotta no, love it. it. You gotta love it when a movie uses the title where I think Ian Malcolm's like, "We don't even have dominion over our own world." 
yeah, I mean, it's going to be really good. And, and Jeff Goldblum coming back. Yeah, can't I'm, go wrong. I'm, I'm here for it. You can't go wrong. That's right. All oh, right, oh, finally. Wait, one second. My son recently was watching Jurassic Park, the first one. And previous viewings, I was kind of in and out of it, right? It was kind of like cruise control while I was watching with him. Yeah. But on this watching this week, I real I didn't realize this, but how much Ian Malcolm was straight up hitting on on Laura Dern's character throughout the whole like first half of the movie. <laughs> and her boyfriend's just in the other truck, man. Like, bro, that's not cool. I was in the military, man. I've seen that stuff. <laughs> it's messed up. All the time. Yeah, I got some stories. Uh, but, but we're trying to keep it clean here. Yeah, so, random tangent. You know, just That just yeah. occurred to me while we're watching it this week. There you go. Well, speaking of uh, cleaning it up here, Lightyear from Pixar. Oh, man. We got a full trailer with some dialogue. This is the highlight of the trailer pitches. This dropped, and I think I watched it at least five times. So... Up to this point, we we got a brief teaser yeah. that leaned really hard into into David Bowie. And this trailer, the pitches, the mind-blown emoji. <laughs> yeah. It does look really good. Yeah, and it I, looks I really think really good. Uh, yeah, I think my son's going to love this. My well, both my kids are going to love it. I wasn't 100% sold on it when the first teaser came no, out, but I'm, with this I'm 100% I'm like 1000% in now. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, we'd still throw money at it because we have kids and they would know that this movie came out and they're always checking on me. Of course, with the 2-year delay of Minions, I get every month when's Minions 2 coming out? When's Minions 2 coming out? So, they'll know this comes out. They can smell it, <laughs> and they will say, it's in the theaters. We need to go. Yeah. And we get more of Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. We get to hear more of his voice, and yeah, I'll say, it works for me. Yeah, it, he doesn't really sound like Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely... not. It's not very, I can do this all day. It's more... It's in between of... Tim Allen style. Yeah. It's So, it's like Chris Evans... It's like in between Chris Evans and 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 Tim Allen, where it's like yeah. Chris Evans doing a little of a Tim Allen impression. <laughs> oh, definitely. So, it looks good. Yeah. I mean, again, I think we said it when we when we did the teaser on the trailer pitches. Like Pixar sitting over there, like you guys go and do your talking talking animals. We're gonna do this photorealistic <laughs> space adventure. You know, action, yeah. comedy. You guys keep doing your talking animals over there. We're good. Well, you know, when you look at Lion King and whatever live action, what was it, Jungle Book and stuff, they could easily do, because that was that was essentially CGI. It was animated. They just made the animation look real. And the only, in the Lion King, the only real shot was actually when the sun was coming up. Yeah. But they could, they're just going to go, they're going to take animation so many places and it's going to be just mind blowing as we go forward in time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the trailer pitches. Let's, let's talk a little, uh, Oscar. <laughs> let's talk some awards award season. season. Yeah. Award season. That's right. And, and right, what's, so what's the award season without the Razzies? That's the right. The golden raspberry awards. The golden raspberries. You know, I was looking through the nominations. You would text me the nominations when they came out, the <laughs> yeah. day they came out. And the only thing I had actually seen of anything that was nominated, I mean, my kids watched Space Jam and New Legacy, but I was going through the list and I had not watched any single film 
on this list except for The Last Duel, where Ben <laughs> Affleck was nominated as Worst Supporting Actor. The person that I didn't oh, care man. for the mu- as much in The Last Duel. Well, I, I just think it's in hilarious, case you, though. In case, you, in case you never felt heard or, or appreciated, the Razzies are here for you. <laughs> there you go. Well, the, the category that really cracks me up the most. Oh, is, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> the special category it. this year. The worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 <laughs> movie, where he was in eight films that were actually released this year. I had no idea. I think I saw his name on one directed to streaming film. I had not known he was in eight films that came out. I mean, they created a special category for Bruce Willis. Oh, boy. Well, you know, considering the quality of films, I, I, I think Liam Neeson's coming here. I mean, he can only make variations of Taken so many times. Actually, hey. I take that back. He can only make variations of Taken 2 <laughs> so many times because Taken was actually a pretty good movie. Look, looking at this list, I'd actually seen Infinite with Mark Wahlberg, and I had, I I kind of enjoyed it it was like it was like jumper but with mark Wahlberg, and it was yeah. about people that live i guess live for reincarnation they keep getting reincarnated over and over again oh okay you know i i, I that was one i kind of put on a watch list so i can actually check it out uh, I was kind of interested in seeing that, but there was one thing that was kind of surprising, and it wasn't until the the Razzies came out, was that the trailer, and we did this as a trailer pitch way back, yeah, what for House of Gucci, <laughs> and it looked really good, but I didn't realize how many people really didn't like this movie. I know, I know. Look, one of the categories, and it's hilarious. It's the worst screen couple. And he's nominated for it. It's Jared Leto and either his 17-pound latex face, his geeky clothes, or his ridiculous accent. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. (laughs) That is hilarious. Man, Razzies, man. They're coming with fire. They are. One surprise. I I mean, a lot of these movies I'd never even heard of. In particular, Diana the Musical on Netflix – like what are that we was, what are we doing? That was a that they tried to do kind of Hamilton-ish. They tried to capitalize on this because this was a Broadway production. Okay. And it tanked on Broadway. It only lasted like a month. And so that's, so let's that's run it back on month. Netflix like Yeah, know, so I'm let's kidding. film it. They film all these th- everything on Broadway yeah. anyway because they they have like a New York Public Library archive where they put all these productions into into the archive, okay. and, you know, if you have some kind of status, you can actually watch them. But, but yeah, I guess I, I didn't realize that this was the musical until I saw Judy Kay, her name being nominated as worst actress, worst supporting actress for both Queen Elizabeth and Barbara Cartland in Diana the Musical. So, I, I know she's a big musical actress, and I think she was probably in this. I think she was a British actress, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but. Um, Interesting. So, oh wait, no, she she's not. She's an American actress. Okay, but yeah, but uh, there is one thing that I'm not surprised about, and I was very much looking forward to this film. And after watching the trailer, I decided I don't think I'm just gonna. I, I just don't think I'm gonna watch this. Okay, which is Dear Evan Hansen. And for anyone who doesn't know about the musical Dear Evan Hansen, it was with Ben Platt on Broadway. 
He won the Tony Award. He wowed audiences eight shows a week. And this really kind of elevated him to the next level in his career. Yeah. But they cast him. uh, And I want to say he was in this role like more than five years ago when he was a little bit in in his younger 20s, mid mid to early 20s. Yeah. And now he's 30 something, early 30s, (laughs) 30. (laughs) Trying to play high schooler. Right. And it's not like they got a bunch of Luke Perry's to round out the cast. <laughs> they got a bunch of kids that look like they're 10 years younger than Ben Platt. Yeah. And they he has this ridiculous haircut. So I just thought, wow, that just doesn't look good. I don't think I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So, and here it is. I, just rocking almost every single category. There's There's another nomination here that cracks me up. Again, in Worst Green Couple. It's Ben Platt and any other character who acts like Platt singing 24-7 is normal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) It's hilarious. I know. I know. And this is is fun. And uh, a tip of the hat to the Razzies. Halle Berry, who was nominated for for something shortly after she won the Oscar for Monsters Ball, she, she came and she had her Oscar on her once she, ex- she accepted her Razzie. And then she said, but I have another one or something like that. And it, all in good, good fun. Congrats to all the nominees. They're all winners in my, my book. <laughs> so good times, but uh, let's move on to the big patent on the back here. Oh yeah. The Oscar nominations. Yes. The- which surprisingly we've covered a lot of these productions, uh, these, these films, during our podcast. Can I say, I was a little surprised, and yet at the same time, I, I really like this movie. But the power of the dog leading in nominations? Oh my Crazy. Gosh. I know. I liked it. It goes to show you that there weren't a lot of good movies out this last year. <laughs> no, I'm totally joking. But, you know, you know, the power of the dog isn't, it's, it's one of those typical Hollywood Oscar-nominated films that has such a dark brooding storyline and amazing performances which I'll give them that but it doesn't appeal to everybody yet it's nominated for best picture and it leads the pack yeah. there are very few popular films that really break through and lead the way in nominations and the last thing i mean i want to say titanic lord of the rings obviously some of Christopher Nolan would get some love every so often, but they just don't nominate really popular films. Sure. And congratulations to Netflix. Yeah. I mean, this is, that's a big old feather in their cap. They've been pushing, they've been pushing for this for a long time. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, that their streaming services can actually participate in this and, and not just be somewhere between the Emmys and the Oscars. So. This, this is good for them. So what, what surprised you as far as what wasn't nominated? Oh, the big one for me was in Best Picture. Because the whole reason why they expanded the number of nominees was so mm-hmm. they could include, like, you know, one of the big tent poles if, if one of, Dune. you know, the summer dead tent poles did really well. Yeah. And the one that's missing is Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, I, I actually thought you were going to say the French Dispatch. That too. That was so good. Okay, <laughs> it, it, here's what I'll say though. Normally, 
whenever Wes Anderson drops a movie, yeah, it's instant nominations. Um, right. But the thing that probably hurt French Dispatch more than anything is that it was more like a series of vignettes versus mm-hmm. a, a movie with a story and yeah, you know, kind of like a, a main plot or main character. Yeah. It was kind of a series of, of small stories. Right. Versus a, a full on narrative. I thought it was very good, but yeah. compared to some of his other nominated features, the from a story perspective probably wasn't the strongest, but it's very good. Um, how about you? Yeah, I, I would say I wouldn't have thought of Spider Man to actually be nominated for Best Picture. But I would have thought there would be some other nominations for being in some of the technical categories. However, one that surprised me was J.K. Simmons and being the Ricardos. Really? Uh, yeah, he just didn't have much of a role in that. And it was one of those things where it he had he didn't have an I don't think it was a notable role. OK, I mean, I love J.K. Simmons. I think he's a great actor. I love everything he's been in. And and it was surprising that he was in that because I didn't catch catch it that it was him right away when i watched it but it, it just it wasn't a standout performance but you know it is what it is but i i definitely think that tick tick boom i was surprised that that wasn't nominated for best picture yeah i yeah. mean and andrew garfield got some got some love in the yeah uh, he's best I, I honestly think he's gonna get the oscar for tick tick boom you think because so? over yeah over will smith yeah. as king richard and denzel in the tragedy macbeth Absolutely. And Benedict Cumberbatch in, in Power of the Dog? Mm-hmm. Without question. All right. I, I think that Andrew Garfield playing someone who – you have to also look at circumstances because it's there's a little politicization. Uh, is that the po- word? Politis- pol- politicization? Po- yeah, let's go with it. A little bit of politics behind <laughs> it. How about that? We'll just go there. Okay. Because it's the circumstance. Benedict Cumberbatch was incredible. Yeah. Will Smith, he was really good. Denzel Washington, incredible. Javier Bardem, Bardem, eh, not so much. Okay. Andrew Garfield, he played someone who was an actual person, and this person did not get to live to see the success of their work. Okay. So it's got like the story. It's got a story little behind bit. it. Yeah, and he pulled it off. You know, I was a big fan of Rent. I had never seen Tick, Tick, Boom on stage, but I actually bought the soundtrack. I, I had all the songs playing in my car when I was in my 20s. And and it was... Was, John, was one of the songs, Everyone's Got AIDS. Uh, n- that was not one of the songs. <laughs> that was in uh, Team America. <laughs> America, we're keeping it clean. Um, so... But there was such an impact that Jonathan Larson made, and to actually pull off Jonathan Larson to the nth degree, yeah. Javier Bardem playing Desi Arnaz, I just had a rough time with that one. Yeah. But all the other performances were amazing. I know Will Smith did a fantastic job as Richard Williams, but Andrew Garfield, without question, I think he's 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 a lock for this one. All but right. I do I do have to say, shifting gears here. Have you watched Belfast? No, and I've been meaning to. Yeah, and I'd seen a couple things. We've been talking about Kenneth Branagh and other stuff, and it was one of those where I've been wanting to see it and haven't had a chance. Yeah, yeah. I just hear it's so fantastic. Yeah, because it's it's like semi semi autobiographical. 
mm-hmm. of Kenneth Branagh's life. And didn't he he wrote did he write and direct? I know he directed. I I think he may have wrote it as well. Pull, doing some heavy lifting, right? Writing, directing, and starring in the movie that's kind of about yeah. his life. I know, and it's not the not the first time because there was a film that he did a long time ago called Dead Again, and that was just a, an amazing film. And I think it was around 1992, and that's when I worked in a movie theater in high school. And he was just did an amazing job in this. And it was, uh, um, yeah, he wrote this one, Belfast. So he, he's, he's written and directed and starred and produced, and he's worn every hat and just has done amazing work. Yeah. Just incredible stuff. So, so that, yeah, that, that yeah. one, that one's, uh, that one kind of came out of nowhere, but it's great. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I got to watch that one. Yeah. I got to put that at the top of my list yeah. here. But, but yeah. How about this uh, this best best picture lineup, man? Yeah, I thought um, West Side Story is a pretty dark horse in this. I was surprised to see that because people were they said people had, were favorable about it, but it didn't do well in the movie theater. Obviously, you're going to risk your life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you really want to make sure it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they're like Ben Affleck as the Batman. <laughs> no. It's better be Marvel. Uh, so, well, but drive my car. What? Have, what is this? I've never even heard. No of No idea. I have no idea. I've not heard of it. I wonder if it's going to be the the one that's going to be. Um, I think it's an international international movie, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. I think it's a Japanese film, so it's going to be like Parasite, where well, I don't know. Korean films are just they're, so they're just right crushing now. it. So hot. They're right doing now. so amazing. They're doing original stuff. Yeah. You know, and, or and original takes, when, really original takes on different things, and we're we're copying them. Yeah, I mean, you know, without question. I mean, we've been copying them for a long time. Oh yeah, it's just we haven't like the v- American viewing audience hasn't had right. real access to their films. I, yeah, unless I don't like, know you why really wanted to go out of your way to see one. You, right, and I, I don't know why there hasn't been s- such a bigger spotlight on Korean films. They they just have had such original ideas because they're Asians. <laughs> oh man, should I should I be pulling the race card there? Should I be flashing the race card there? Well, you can because you're Asian. <laughs> so, I guess I, I I'm honorary Asian since since Nancy's Asian. That's but, right. Yeah, but I definitely love everything that's every piece of cinema that's coming out of Korea. It's amazing. Yeah. So I. It's great to see some uh, international films being nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And, so. and, and a tip of the hat to the streaming services. Yeah. Because by hook or by crook, they've muscled their way into the Oscars. Yeah, Coda. Coda look up. for Apple TV Plus. And then Tragedy Mac- Macbeth's you know, got other nominations. Oh, yeah. That's true. They have two. Uh, but also for Best Picture, Don't Look Up for Netflix. Uh-huh. And the there's one on the Power of the Dog for Netflix, yeah. And yeah. and well, I mean HBO Max. I mean I mean Not, do you count like the simultaneous the theater theatrical slash streaming service release when like the creatives are suing <laughs> said streaming services for simultaneously well, <laughs> releasing streaming I, uh, with the theatrical release? I yeah, I would count them. This year, I'd count them. Just Dune, King Richard, and Nightmare Alley were all on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, and they obviously released simultaneous. But I, I really only think that Dune was the only thing anyone saw in the movie theater because it was so epic. Yes, that, well, that's, your one, that's, your one, that's your one. That's your one. That's your one tentpole. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> For Dune. <laughs> it's the gratuitous yeah. tent pole. This is all we got this year. So so one other one one other category that I was surprised by the number of nominations for one studio, but like uh-huh. when thinking about the current streaming environment that we're in, it makes sense that they'd all hit at once. But animated feature, I mean, is this a, is this another year where, due to multiple Disney slash Pixar releases, a real dark horse sneaks in and takes it? Because you have Encanto, Luca, and Ryan the La- uh, Ryan the Last Dragon. Yeah. And then Flea, which I've have never I haven't heard of. Uh, looks like it was probably screened at an IKEA somewhere. <laughs> Jonas Poher Rasmussen, Monica Hillstrom. Yeah, it's an inter- it's an All international. All their names look like IKEA furniture. Yeah, it's an international film. And then the other one Mitchell's is Mitchell's Versus Machines. Machines, which I really liked. It was it was, it it was, was good. Netflix. I, and I, I'm gonna say, I mean, I mean, it's, it's Lord and Miller. Me. Yeah. So. I mean, you know it's going to be good. Well, I'll I'll throw it the top two based on how many what my kids have watched yeah. in Canto and Mitchell's versus the Machines. I would adjust for release dates and say they're neck and neck for how much they've watched them. But I would say the Mitchell's versus the Machines has a little bit of an inch ahead. Yeah. No, my my son. So the three Disney ones and the Mitchell's versus the Machines. My son streamed the. He watched the crap out of all four of those. Like he's yeah, still watching Encanto. He watched Luca so many dang times. Same with yeah, Raya. Yeah. He watched that yeah. so many times, and, and Mitchell's too. Yeah. So well, it's new. Yeah. Once it's new. Yeah. You got to wear it out. Yep. So all right. Any, well, any, that's anything, our... anything else interesting that you want to cover uh, for the Oscars? Nah, that was good. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah, good times. So I would just I'd like to get a peek in one of those swag bags. That's it. <laughs> you know. Maybe someday. What do we got? Maybe, Maybe someday. someday. We'll get one. $40,000 worth of stuff. <laughs> that we have to pay taxes months, on. <laughs> yeah. Well, for them, it's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, that would be, a, that would be a, a, a tough tax bill to swallow for us. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So. <laughs> All right. I'd rather have my student loans forgiven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and pay taxes on that. <laughs> So, uh, amen. All right. Amen, well, brother. That's right. That's right. All right. So, let's get into the, right. the main topics here. So, moving into our first main topic is our first ever retake featuring The Book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus. So, a few episodes back, we reviewed the series premiere of The Book of Boba Fett. And at the conclusion of season one, we take a look back or do a retake of the show. Such a play on words here. I know. I love wordplay. Yes. Spoiler alert. All right. In case you haven't finished the first season, <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk some spoilers. Spoilers. So so maybe fast forward like 15, 5 to 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Yeah. Just fast forward until you hear us talking about Reacher. <laughs> yes. Or stop, watch, and continue. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's also a good a good suggestion. Yeah. Or Two options. if you're on the Either fence, if you're on the fence, if you're going to watch the Book of Boba Fett, Listen to us speak glowingly about it and then go watch for yourself. Yeah, sure. Listen to Nelson speak glowingly about it. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You're not. No. <laughs> no, I liked it. So. All right. Let me ask so, you first. Okay. Did the show yes. meet your ex- expectations? Yes. It's <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the answer. 
Okay. And and for there yourself, you. Tim? I'm going to say no. It didn't. It I, I'm not going to say it was bad. It didn't meet my expectations because I was ex- I was expecting a little bit more forward movement in a storyline as opposed to going back and connecting the dots. They you know, they spent too much time on some of the flashbacks. I I, I think and so I will, they, they could have moved forward. And I will counter that by saying they needed to because they had 30 years of time. Well, not 30 years, but like in the movie last time or like in, in the Star like Wars timeline last time passed. But yeah. they had 30 years of time to to make up for. And, yeah. and then in the show timeline, five years where there's a gap of Boba Fett. Is done dirty and is and and, and is thrown into the Sarlacc pit too. He miraculously appears in the desert <laughs> in the Mandalorian season two. <laughs> they needed to. They needed to fill in that gap, man. Okay, I, I don't disagree with that. However, it should have been better than flashbacks. It they could have picked up the story there, but but nonlinear it. storytelling is so much more interesting than telling it in in perfect sequence. I'm gonna I'm gonna. revert to Eternals (laughs) with all of the flashbacks were way too much and they should have just had the backstory first and then continued on. It would have been, it would have been okay had they devoted an entire episode to the Tusken Raiders. Yeah. And then the next chapter being after they were wiped out and then the next chapter being X amount of years later. All present time. Right. So, well, I, You're wrong because it at sometimes <laughs> yeah, but at at a certain point, this is why I paused the the season in the second episode because the entire episode, almost the entire episode, was flashback. And when you look at a story structure with flashbacks, it, it really should be limited to how it's going to play out moving forward. And the payoff for all those flashbacks was essentially. One reference to what happened to the Tuscan Raiders, yeah, and one fight with the stick, and that was it. Yeah, and they were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't amazing. I'm just saying it was too much for very little payoff. All right. Well, so yeah. Moving on, but so what worked for you? The all of it, the everything, <laughs> the whole, the all. first minute to the last minute. <laughs> The first minute of episode one to the last post credit scene in episode seven. Look, and I from from some of the chatter that I've seen, it's it it has been a little divisive. Yeah, but I like the flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. I like seeing what he was up to in those in the in the five years between the end of of uh, uh, what was it? Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi and. And Mandalorian, or or in this case, Book of Boba Fett, right? Right. I like the flashbacks. I mm-hmm. I liked seeing more of Boba Fett in action. Um, yeah. you know, using his armor and flying around, and you know, all all the weapons that the Mandalorians have. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked all the characters that they brought into it. I like the fact that two or three episodes like served as like backdoor pilots for spinoff shows. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, and then I'll, a backdoor, and then and then a backdoor leading to another a whole different show that's ongoing. <laughs> it's all connected. Yeah, it was actually uh, they're gonna do a 
Rangers of the New Republic. Yep. So they kind of allude to that. Yep. And then also they're going to, you know, they're they're brought in, obviously brought in the Mandalorian. Uh, I think it was episode three when it was still a flashback and, and he had run into, what was Ming-Na's name in this? Fennec. Fennec. So he had ran into Fennec and saved her life. And they, he talking about getting his armor back. And this is when I text you and I was like, they're going to include the Mandalorians coming back. Oh, He's yeah. Gotta, you know, they're going to, they're, it's getting, they're, it has to intersect with the Mandalorian. Well, and then, like, right at the end of that, like, at the end of that sequence, they, they brought in, like, the Mandalorian score, too. Right. Exactly. And so that was the, the Mandalorian episodes were, were really good. It was kind of an interesting final episode. Overall, I would say I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I really think it was less the book of Boba Fett. Yes. And more a vehicle to start branching out different shows. They could have just Um, called it Tales from Tatooine. (laughs) They they could have, yeah. They could have. And just the star power that they brought into it. My goodness. I mean, uh, Ashoka makes an appearance. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cobb Vanth, they bring him back. That's right, and and then uh, what's his name? Um, Chrysanthemum, the bounty hunter Wookie. Look, oh yeah, look, yeah. All of that. So when that episode hit, when, when they brought him in, I squealed like a schoolgirl. And you can ask, <laughs> you can ask my wife, because I was like, they're gonna do Doctor Afra. They have to, because <laughs> he's in the comics multiple yeah. times as both an ally and a foe of Dr. Afra's and he he rolls up live action mm-hmm. and then we we talked about when Cobb was gunned down yeah and then like what was happening with Rangers the new Rangers of the New Republic I mean you know they're giving Timothy Oliphant his own show oh yeah no doubt and and I think he's a bit of a, a fan favorite after the Mandalorian and his appearance there I, I mean so. this is there anyone that plays a better lawman than Timothy Oliphant? No, of course not. You know, let me tell you what I thought worked really well. And I have to go back to the original 1977 Star Wars, not episode four, A New Hope, Star Wars. The intention of George Lucas, and I took, I don't know if you took this at ASU, which there was a Spielberg Lucas film class. And they kind of dissect the origins of, of George Lucas and, and what he did to put this Star Wars together. No, but now I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was awesome. I think I took I think there's three classes that I took that like when when you when you look back, like how are those classes like history? It was like Elvis and the Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> and then the other one that I took was um symbolism in film. Oh yeah. I took an Alfred Hitchcock class and a Spielberg Lucas class. Good times. Um but but here's the um the the device that George Lucas his original intention was to create a western. It was like a western with, samurai space yeah. opera. So the three films that he took from and and uh, straight out of uh, well two films that he took from he wanted to create a western, just in general just through the genre, but a space western. Yeah. Not like uh, I think the biggest thing was like Flash Gordon at the time. Yeah. He didn't want to get crazy and campy with Flash Gordon. He wanted to keep it serious like any other spaghetti western out there or anything that was very relevant. With elements of Dune. Right. Any type of like John Huston film from back in the day. But 
he did take borrow heavily from Akira Kurosawa, and he also there was a film called Dam Busters, which is World War II bombers that used to have these round. They used to go into river river banks or, or just on top of rivers, and they'd have these round bombs, and they would just they had to release the bombs so they can actually destroy a dam. So the dam, the bombs would just bounce on the water. And sometimes they go over, sometimes they blow up a short, but it was like the last scene in Star Wars when they're blowing up the Death Star. So he, he borrowed heavily from a lot of sources, yeah. but in all, he wanted to create a Western. And that was the sole purpose of Tatooine and, and how they wanted to mold that, like a futuristic town when you're rolling into town and there's a, all of the, the mix of the future, but also keeping that Old West feel to it. Well, they lean into they it so hard <laughs> yes, with the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Without a question. It was truly a Western, especially in that last episode with the showdown and the, the battle that they had in that town. Without question. I mean, a, a shootout at high noon, man. I know. That was, a, that was truly a Western in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, I... Say what you will about those two, like there's two episodes right in the middle of the season that were Mandalorian centric. They're basically they're basically the 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 season premiere for Mandalorian season three. Season three, yeah. Um, but my goodness, those two episodes yeah. were incredible. Yeah, where yeah. he's building the new ship, and then the next episode he visits Grogu. And we get another appearance of Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. I mean, those episodes were just bangers. Those were good. Yeah, they were definitely good. And, so, and then, and then the, and then the finale felt like felt like a day, like a movie. It, it did. Like the scale it of it was outrageous. Yeah, it was. It was very, very big, and it was very, very epic. So I, I, I'm assume I'm assuming obviously from your your banter here. Yeah. Nothing didn't work. I will say on a level, I agree <laughs> that if you're going to call a show the Book of Boba Fett, yeah, maybe have a little more Boba Fett. True. Because those last like three episodes, not a whole lot of Boba Fett. <laughs> that, that's exactly correct. That is. I mean, again, they could have called it Tales from Tatooine or yeah. like Star Wars Tatooine. Yeah, that's true. Well, let me let me ask you this question here, really quick, because I know that when we look at uh, the completion of a of a show and we talk about where they're going to go in the next season, that's really kind of a loaded question. I mean, it's really kind of a tough question to answer as far as season two. Yeah. But where we're seeing an because we're seeing an intersection, sure, of so many shows that are going to be going on. I can think of, obviously there's going to be a season two of Boba Fett. There's yep. going to be Rangers of the new Republic. Yep. There's going to be another season of Mandalorian yep. and there's going to be the and Asuka Tano. Yeah. So where are they going to take it? I think that his war on, on the spice trade isn't over right. because you could say there's a possibility that the, what is the syndicate called? The Pikes, the, yeah. the Pike syndicate, isn't the only they're not the only spice traders out there right and uh, i think there's like a, a rumor that amelia clark might reprise her role from the the solo, solo from the solo, solo yeah where they might build a series around her 
Interesting. And, and there's, I mean, there, there, there are other syndicates out there, and mm-hmm. presumably then Darth Maul's out there because I can't remember the 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 gang that he runs, but I mean, yeah, he he's gonna pop up in the Obi Wan show. Yeah. So so that, but also he has a he has a handle in the Mandalore situation as well. Right. Right. So I mean, I I think for Book of Boba Fett, there's it's more of settling Tatooine. Yeah. And battles against the spice trade. True. Yeah. And I think um, with the Mandalorian, they alluded to the fact that he has to go back to Mandalore. Yep. To redeem himself for taking his helmet off. Yep. So maybe so, yeah. maybe, maybe even that show goes yeah. up a bit in scale from saving Grogu in, in season right. one and then returning him to the Jedi in season two, it seems yeah. like the scale is going to get even more epic for season three. No doubt. And they're definitely going to intersect all of these series together at some point. It's going to be the Marvel of the Star Wars universe. I, I'm here for it, man. I, <laughs> I, I really I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, which I shouldn't have been because I really liked The Mandalorian. Uh-huh. And the same creative team. And then they rolled in Robert Rodriguez, too. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot a lot worked for me. Yeah. The only thing would be nitpicking that more Boba Fett, which I imagine you'll get in season two. Was there anything that didn't work yeah. for you? For the most part, I just think the, the flashbacks. Okay. Too much too much flashback for very little payoff. So more more like pacing and then yeah. And then yeah. not I mean, enough it, of they a, could have uh, a review. Either – yeah, they could have either done it as a without a flashback and then told the story of how he had to recover in that little machine. Yeah. The in another way. Back to tank. Yeah. But I think that they they could have gone chronological. I think it would have been a stronger storyline. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of payoff for, for the for the amount of flashbacks. If they would have not told it that story in flashbacks, it would have made it would have been it would have made sense. Okay. So, yeah. so where do you think they'll go in season two? Season two, yeah, I'm gonna have to concur with you. I think it's gonna be uh, just more tales from the tales from Tatooine, essentially. <laughs> it, that that's the only place where they can go because he wants to settle. He's they kind of played into the fact that he's old. You know, he wants to have a peaceful planet and and that's his or peaceful territory, I guess. I mean, <laughs> you become the head of a crime syndicate. How much mm-hmm. peace can you really have? Yeah. True. I and also I think they may he may come out of retirement in in one of the other shows sure. and be take part in the Mandalorian. Take part in take some part adventures. In, yeah, yeah. So so we'll see. Yeah. What's your uh, watch? Final it retake is watch. Yeah, <laughs> I might watch it again for you know just for I would say it's a watch just for the fact that it's Star Wars and it was done very well. You know, I I would put this I would still put this above the prequels and the sequel trilogy. I did like The Force Awakens, but The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. All right, all right. Let's were very, let's not very litigate because I enjoyed them. So, <laughs> well, by themselves they were great, but yeah. as a collective story, they were it was it was pretty weak. Yeah, but yeah. so I'll give the credit where the credit was due. And J.J. Abrams really needed to make some repairs after sure. they deviated in the second uh, the second act. I will say so that I am thoroughly enjoying the non Skywalker stories that they're telling now yeah so true give me more of them give us yeah. a dr afro series because indiana jones but in space yeah let's go 
<laughs> Get it together, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. I'm sure they are. I mean, yeah, they're probably working uh, on it. Doctor F was too popular a character, and and if yeah. you think about like some of the really popular characters that they brought in from the Clone War series and and from other parts of you know the canon in the comic books, mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it only makes sense, especially when you have you know this fandom. Yeah. And and the demands that they put on on the creators of of these of these properties. Yeah. She's too popular a character not to. True. That's true. Well, I definitely say I'm excited. Next up is the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I think it is completely wrong of them to release it on May 25th instead of May the 4th. Yeah. Come on. But it is what it is. Come on, stores, get your stuff together. I know. So, 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 right. did you give a final take? I did. I'd say as a watch, just oh, because yeah. of Star Wars. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it was done very well. You yeah. know. So, and for the record, here May twenty fifth is a Wednesday, but also May the fourth is also a Wednesday. Oh. Hey, you know what? Shame though? on them. I mean, shame. Maybe, maybe they'll pay some overtime to you know the production team and the creatives, yeah. and they'll crank it out. They got to be done with the first episode by now. Yeah, you never know. So, all right, good times. Right. Well, that wraps up the book of Boba Fett, and for our last topic is going to be the Prime Video series Reacher, based on the novel Killing Floor by Lee Child. Amazon Studios properly reboots the Jack Reacher character, developed by Nick Santora. The show stars Alan Richson, Malcolm Goodwin, Willa Fitzgerald. And Bruce McGill as the cliche guy from the South. <laughs> Hasn't he played so many characters from the South? Oh, yeah. Bruce McGill? Yeah. With his same accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, when Jack Reacher lands in Margrave, Georgia, he's immediately arrested and accused of murder. Okay. After his alibi checks out, the lead investigator, Captain Finley, and off- Officer Roscoe, Enlist his help as a former military police investigator when they realize they're in way over their heads. The trio must solve a series of murders and unravel a conspiracy in this sleepy town before they too are killed. Tim. Yes. Did this show, considering the entire season dropped on Amazon, uh, on Prime Video, gladly they yeah, all we, dropped. We binged it all. Oh, stri- I two sittings for me, and I think my wife me the too. same. Did this show yeah. meet your expectations? I would say this show exceeded my expectations. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it was starting so with Starting in the very beginning, when Jack Reacher stood next to anyone else in the scene <laughs> and, just and he wasn't five, over six. <laughs> yes uh, you know uh, let, let me say this first a friend of mine recommended the jack reacher books to me yeah before jack reacher wasn't even a thought of being a film yeah and i i want to say it was probably around 2011 2012 ish he says ah, i'm reading all these lee child books he has so many of these books they're they're amazing Fast forward to when Jack Reacher is going to be a film made with Tom Cruise starring. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to cry when his face <laughs> got red and talked how much of an abomination it was to cast Tom Cruise because he is everything the character is not. Yeah. So if if I'm being um, honest, I kind of enjoyed Jack Re- the Jack Reacher movies. 
Well, I mean, as <laughs> for as the uninitiated, a, you know, I mean, right? You if know. you if you essentially call him something else, just call him Jack. Yeah. I mean, it, they're they're uh, they're they're pretty decent films. Yeah. Just just as is, they're just good action films, just like The Equalizer right. or Bruce Willis reboot of it's, Man that, Man goes a, on a rampage. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, what about you? Did this show meet your expectations? Absolutely. And and I'll say well, again, I I'd, I'd never read any of the Reacher Reacher books, mm-hmm. and so I watched the movies. And enjoyed them. I mean, they tick a lot of boxes. Yeah. Tom Cruise, action, kind of smart detective work, funny quips, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked them. And then I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd heard like, oh, the whole hubbub over Tom Cruise being short, like a foot yeah. shorter than Reacher in the books. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, from that perspective, I was already in on Reacher. But then seeing that they – that they cast Alan Richson as as the title character. I was super excited, and even then, it definitely exceeded my expectations. It was it was a yeah. really good series. Well, then, what worked for you? Uh, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> the whole of the everything. The whole, the first minute of episode one to the last minute of episode eight. I, I, I mean. It starts off with a bang. It's it's like that intense but kind of like kind of funny situation where a guy walks into a diner and sits down and before he can even have a bite of of this pie, the police like police cars come roll screaming in. They point a shotgun in his face and mm-hmm. I mean and we're rolling. So I I mean no it, it was really good. The the pacing of the episodes is so good, kind of weaving in and out of the you know a couple different storylines. Yeah. Um, the performances by the entire cast, they, I mean, they were fun. You know, they they really good chemistry between the characters, yeah. where you could really see them play off each other. Like that a lot. Yeah. Um, the story it starts off with a murder, and then everything kind of just snowballs in terms of the violence in this small town around this one murder. And and they uncover like conspiracy, and they did that that great thing where in in these kind of murder mystery stories where you know they keep they kept you guessing of who it might be and who's behind it and you know what it it, it actually is all about. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it a lot. It was good. Yeah, I, a lot nice. worked for me. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. It, it was I I loved how they really had just some kind of cliffhanger reveal at the end of each episode Mm -hmm. that carried it on. And and the one thing that really probably would up head and shoulders above everything is that the show based on a book, they didn't have to sacrifice things to have a good, a good series. Cause they were able to stretch it out eight episodes. Yeah. They were able to really grasp everything in the book. So I read a synopsis of the book and it was, you know, almost exactly the same. Well, this and, is this is what happens when you have a successful collaboration between right. TV creators and the writer of said property. Yeah, because <laughs> it it seems like Lee Child was actually in the writers' room for this too. Oh, good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it they really did the book well to take a novel that's pretty epic, and I know this novel this was the first Jack Reacher novel. It, it won awards to shrink things down into an ep- to an episode or a, a 
two hour long film or less really does a, a storyline disservice. So sure. I, I'm hoping, especially since it's prime video and they're bringing back Jack Ryan, that maybe they do some of those Tom Clancy novels that weren't told and they this give it the same kind of treatment as well. And I thought those, that that's probably what, what really worked the best is taking, taking a novel and, and putting it into an episodic, essentially an episodic film that was eight hours long. Yeah. It- and another thing that really worked for me was Alan Richardson as 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 Reacher. I, yeah, in the beginning, uh, the first few minutes of this show, uh, the first episode, he was really embodied everything that my friend described. Sure, who Jack Reacher was sure. as a character. I mean, he played it perfectly, like intimidating, especially at the beginning where he's like kind of a mysterious figure. You know, really chooses his words to just. The, the quippiness that he brought to the character where it was like a comedy, right? But, you know, just, just the kind of aside remarks that he would make. Yeah, um, yeah. And then like the physicality of the role too. I mean, you know, perfect actor for it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've enjoyed, I, I, I've liked everything that he was in. I mean, going back to like Smallville and Blue Mountain Blue State. Mountain State. Yeah. Um, there was like a... Oh, I he was can't. In Titans. He was in Titans. There's a movie that he was in for Rooster Teeth. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a sci-fi, like a uh-huh. sci-fi movie. So I mean, you know, for him, I think yeah. it, much of his career has been like supporting characters, and to get yeah. like a starring role like this for a character that he perfectly embodies and can play. I mean, yeah. I, he he did really good. I, I liked it. Yeah, I didn't really care for him in Titans. It was just not a very well written character. And and he did the best he could, sure. but I, it was just kind of down on everything all the time, and you're just like, Ugh, not for this guy. <laughs> but he he was perfect, perfect Jack Reacher. I, I loved every second of his performance. Yeah. So was there anything that didn't work for you? Absolutely. Um, having been in the military, okay. <laughs> there are always some things that go along with being in the military that just don't. I don't want to say translate well. Mm-hmm. They the just easy research could have been done, and and I'm sure this was based on. Yeah, obviously, it was in the novel. The the Lee Child, who was the author of of the character, probably didn't do this much detail of research. And I I've seen this before. Is that you look at the flashbacks, mm-hmm. right? And they're leaving Japan and they're going to Germany. Well, Marines aren't stationed in Europe, and he was clearly front, uh, a Marine brat. So it's one of those things where it's like, uh, got to roll your eyes at that. You know, I was stationed in Europe and I know that Marines aren't stationed in Europe. It was enough unless, of a, unless you work at an embassy. Yeah. It was enough of a distraction for you. Yeah. I mean, all those, those things kind of, they kind of really take you out a little bit in those moments. Uh, there were a couple other things. I, I can't remember what they were on the top of my head, but it was, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. It was just kind of how how they portrayed the military in uniform. Also, there was a captain that came over to give a heads up to his dad and he didn't quite embody a Marine Corps look, which physical fitness is a high priority <laughs> in the Marines. So, um, not so much in the air force when that I was in. So <laughs> this guy would have blended right in in air force blues, <laughs> but when it comes to being a Marine yeah. in uniform, yeah, yeah, it was like, ah, okay. Um, but, you know, those are, they're expected. And you ask anyone who was in the military who served their country and, and there are very few military films and shows out there that 
really get it right. Yeah. Yeah. So that aspect of it. But this wasn't about the military, so that was forgivable. Right. It it was like it was part of his past. Yeah. Helped kind of shape who he was as an adult. Yeah. But certainly not. And it it would have been corrected with an easy mistake. Yeah, we're moving back to San Diego or Yeah. Or wherever. Yeah. Texas or Or they could have said like North Carolina or something. Yeah. And so um (laughs) Or like they're gonna send us a Corpus Christi. Yeah, Corpus Christi or, you know, because I guess his dad may have been an officer, but it was, it's just one of those, one of those small oversights. I, I mean, I, I can forgive them for that, but it's, it's, uh, it get, when you're in the moment, you get a little distracted by it. I've seen it before. Um, a guy, I, I don't know. Do you know who Eric Bogosian is? No. Uh, he wrote a play called Suburbia. They made it into a movie with Giovanni Ribisi and, and one of the, Nikki Cat played this guy who was in the air force and, and they, he said he was stationed in like Thailand or something like that. There's no air force places. <laughs> There's no military station in Thailand. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I will say, I just wanted to say something for our tens of listeners out there. If you happen to yeah. be living in or from Corpus Christi, no offense yeah. to your city, but come on, man, <laughs> that freeway that goes right down the center of it. And you have to make U-turns all the time. <laughs> Those those mosquitoes that are the size of butterflies. The humidity. Goodness gracious. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Sorry, just but an dang aside. It, there, there's a good place. that They have a good burrito place there called Freebirds. <laughs> we did like Freebirds. That was that was amazing. And they had a I Luby's. I, and they had a Luby's. Oh, yeah. I remember. We went to Luby's. Uh, did not get shot. Yeah. But anyway, what didn't so, work for me in this? Yeah. Nothing. I loved this entire show. Of course. It's so good. You know what? It was great. And and piggybacking on the fact that you loved every second of the show. I watched this with Nancy and she was so excited about it. She wanted to read the books. Oh yeah. We ordered Do you know how many books there are? So many books. There are like twenty five books. Yeah, Jack Reacher books. We ordered. We ordered Killing Floor for Daisy. It's in the mail. It's coming. Nice. Yeah, she was like, "I want to read all of these books." Like, okay, we're ordering them. Would you like them? Go. Would you like them on Kindle or paperback? <laughs> and she chose paperback. She sure did. She's really old school. I, I, I would have been perfectly fine with ebook, but yeah, I'm an ebook guy. I can't even think of a nitpick. I mean, I mean, I, were there too really many can. murders? Uh, was there too much no. action? No. Give me more of that. It seems to me that they followed the story pretty well. Yeah, no, that was good. From what I read, uh, and I think I think it's one of those things where I mean, my expectations were high, but sorry, not yeah. but, and considering it exceeded those expectations. I mean, I can't even think of anything that I didn't like, you know. Yeah. Anything that I didn't like, I was glossed over by how much I enjoyed it. And, you know, my wife was the same where we we watched we watched the pilot together and we're like, okay, well, it's getting late. Let's turn in. And, and then I continued to watch. And then when she got up the next day, she was watching while I was at work. And we were both like – Yo, you kept watching. She's like, you kept watching. 
She's like, <laughs> so I, I peeked over the iPad. She was on like episode six. I was like, hey, what's the deal? And she's like, I don't know. Episode five. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I kept watching <laughs> late into the night. That's funny. <laughs> hey, man, for any of our listeners out there, let me tell you a little trick. Create your own profile. Yeah. Watch what you want to watch. Yeah, that would work if... Delete the profile. <laughs> that, that would work if, you know, the other users of the platform actually pick their own profile. Well, that's why you just go in and create your own profile aside when, you, when you're in there. Okay, so you're watching it together. You watch the first three episodes. Oh. And she goes to bed. Okay, I'm going to watch the fourth episode. Let me create a new profile <laughs> and watch the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh episode. And then I will delete my profile and go to bed. See, my problem is I'm not good enough at hiding, like, faking reactions to stuff that comes up in the episodes, especially if it's, like, a really suspenseful, like, mystery. Yeah. And my wife will turn to me and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that was happening. And I'll be like, yeah, it's nuts. That oh, came wow. Out of I can't nowhere. believe it. Yeah. It's like, it was you've so. seen this, haven't you? Like, I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can fake it pretty well. I get so excited. I, I get kind of jumpy and I have to like adjust in my seat. Yeah. And I was doing that during the first episode of this, this show. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I haven't felt this way since uh, John Wick 1. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here for this. No, just dialed in from 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 the jump. Yeah, yeah, and it was it it was that exciting. And not to say that there hasn't been good films or shows out there in between. It's just exciting. And plus, I only saw John Wick like a year and a half ago. So <laughs> glad so that, you're finally on board. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I we 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 binged it, and we binged all three films and. On our uh, ninth anniversary, that's twenty twenty. Quite, quite the, Didn't quite the anniversary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was probably one of the best ones we had uh, after uh, San Francisco. But um, so, where do you think they'll take season two? So, from my knowledge of the Jack Reacher series, yeah, I mean it's almost like an anthology minus Jack Reacher. Where he's like the only <laughs> character that holds over it right? because he's a drifter and he kind of yeah. goes wherever he wants. So mm-hmm. I think you say goodbye to most, if not all, of the cast for the characters that are based in Georgia. In Margrave. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just Reacher comes back, his former soldier who's the who's the PI, I can't remember the character's name. She's probably back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Really? So I mean I guess I guess it depends on how how strictly they they stick with the books. And I don't know how if he ever revisits Margrave in 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 the books, but considering there's 25 of them, yeah. They probably take their pick, but finds himself in another city and gets caught up in another murder conspiracy slash criminal underworld that he has yeah. to take down that is a whole new list of characters and you know that he's going to interact with and win over with his yeah. charm and personality and six foot five ness. That's right. Well, from what I see, he's going to find himself in Chicago. 
helping out a woman with an injured leg. If they go straight into the next, the next novel, book in yeah. the series, right? I was being smarmy, but yeah. So I, I, I'd like to see them just continue on. I know some of the some of the books that he did were actually prequels. Okay, I, I would say just keep going with 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 the series and in the order. Yeah, you know, I, I guess. Yeah, how, how many liberties do they take with the story if they yeah. want to bring back characters from season one? Sure. I mean, and I'm sure that, I don't know, I think that there's probably somewhere along the line, and like you said, in 25 books, he's probably revisited some of these characters, you know, like Finley, possibly Roscoe. Yeah. So well, I'm excited. Whatever comes in season two, yeah. I'll be binge that in one sitting too. It's kind of <laughs> kind of a bummer. I mean, I, I really think they should get to filming when they start, when they launch this. You know, because they've already finished filming, they're doing all the post production work, and let's get back to work and film the next one. And they should, I, I, I think it would be awesome if they can release, really be diligent about releasing them every year. Yeah. Well, they, they, they just got greenlit for season two. Like, yeah, that's that's what's hard because after they released it or something. Yeah, if they would have, if they would have released it and it was people didn't get the reception that it did, then I think that they would have, you know, not greenlit a second season. But yeah. Yeah, I will wait for that. I will say it does an excellent job of scratching that Jack Ryan itch. Yeah, it. (laughs) Yeah, that is. I'm very excited for Jack Ryan, the third season. The second was was okay, and and uh, I do love the character. They they do have a lot of suspense and everything, and it did fill the void. So, from what I understand, he is John Krasinski is in Washington D.C. filming. Excellent. So we can expect some more. Jack Ryan. Good times. And hopefully right. season two of Reacher sooner rather than later. Yeah. So your final take, watch stream or skip? Watch. I mean, the default is stream because it's on Amazon Prime or on Prime Video and you know you, you, you could you could not stream it right away, but I mean but go go watch this. Yeah. It's so good. Watch it's so entertaining. It's well. such a fun watch. Yeah. It is. I really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, as is action packed and as dark as it got at times, it was so suspenseful. Yeah. And it's and, and a really watch. Smart in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, Very. in terms of how everything unfolded, um, yeah. and and the detective work. Right. It's like that thing where in all of the Batman movies, we never get to see him be the world's greatest prote- detective. Yeah, the Dark Knight detective. Right. Yeah. Um, you see it. Right away, I mean, he's supposed to be this like decorated investigator, and you see it, you know, right. and it almost Sherlock Holmesian in terms of, you know, how he, you know, can look at somebody and pick them apart and tell their story. Um, I mean, it's like you see it in in yeah. you know Sherlock and you know psych. like the inferences, yeah, psych and stuff like that. Um, the mentalist. I mean, those those parts are. Those parts are so enjoyable. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a watch. How about you? Yeah, definitely a watch, without a doubt. That's all I gotta say. It's yeah. a watch. Yeah. Do you, do you have a haiku have for a haiku. this? Oh no! On the spot. On the spot. Come on, do it. On the spot. Um, um, of course, I can take out the pauses. On the spot. So it's five seven five, right? Yeah. Jack Reacher. That's three. Is back. Is tough. Okay. Margrave, Georgia. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> too many. Margrave no, right. is two. Georgia, Georgia is don't four. Go don't go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Don't go there. And 
Jack Reacher got job done. That's a cop out. Refrigerator. No, no. Better. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. Better than Tom Cruise. Better than Tom Cruise. Absolutely. <laughs> Jack Reacher is tough. Margrave, Georgia. Don't go there. Better than Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, All that's right. Good teamwork. That, yes, that is. That is there. A co haiku review. So, and that is our final take. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, give us five stars, a glowing review so our podcast can reach more people. We can tell our wives that they will soon be able to quit their day jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Final Take Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Final Take Pod. Email us at thefinaltakepod at gmail.com and check out all of our episodes on our website, thefinaltakepod.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.